the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host today. It's great to be with you. I will be with you all week long. It's so good to have an opportunity to be with you and talk about what's going on in the world, talk about what's going on in the news. And I'm here. I'm testing positive for Olympic gold. That is, if you consider coffee drinking a sport. Then I have the gold medal. And, um, you know, it might be a sport. And you may not even know that it's a sport because you're not watching it. Apparently, people aren't watching the Olympics. Did you know the Olympics are on? Yep, the Winter Olympics. And I guess the, the viewership is way down. It's funny because we, we try to watch something as a family, you know, on a Friday night or Sunday night uh, as, uh, as a family. And uh, the Olympics didn't even cross my mind that that was on. And that's unusual for me, really. I like the Olympics. And I went to the website, and uh, I noticed uh, curling was on. And I don't even understand the rules to curling. I don't get it at all. What I like about it are, are two things. One is I like it that the curling athletes look like me, like middle-aged dads uh, who are just excited that they can still push that broom back and forth so fast. And it's like tossing horseshoes or something. I don't want to know the rules. You, you probably know the rules to, to – or maybe you don't, but I like to watch it with the, the volume down. I don't want to hear anything. I just want to make up my own rules as it goes. It's pretty funny that way. Uh, I heard somebody say that once, and I tried it, and sure enough, it's a great sport. Uh, anyway, I like it that way. Uh, that's part of the Olympic Games, and uh, maybe we'll talk about that later on uh, this week. There's definitely an element of why people aren't watching. I think it has to do with uh, uh, China and the propaganda that is going on there. And uh, maybe we'll get to that today, but at some point this week, we'll, we'll talk about it, see what's going on in the Olympics. I think there will be some stories coming out of there that are, that are pretty good. But today, we're going to hit some of the things that were in the news over the weekend and try to get a little Christian perspective, figure out how to get down to maybe what's true or how we take a look at some evidence. So you can give me a call and join the conversation at any time. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. I encourage you to put that in your phone right now. You can just uh, then tell Siri or tell Google or tell whoever you talk to that calls your phone for you uh, to call LA Live, and you can just call up whenever you want to join the conversation. That number, again, is 888-528-2557. You can also email the program, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at kkla.com. That's extra convenient if you happen to be uh, listening on a podcast, which you can get at kkla.com or kprz.com. Just look for this show. And uh, so there you go, 888-528-2557. So as I mentioned, there's uh, lots of things going on in the news, and I want to I talk about evidence in the, in the standpoint of and looking at it from the standpoint of, of Christians when we have our conversations with people who are in our, in our life, how do we actually make sure that we're not saying things that are not actually true? How do we try our best to have a, the right perspective on the news, especially given the era we live in where we don't really trust it, where most people don't trust it, or you trust half of it? You might trust CNN and MSNBC, but not Fox, or you might trust Fox and not CNN or MSNBC. Maybe you don't trust any of it. 
Maybe you trust Joe Rogan. Maybe you don't trust Joe Rogan. Maybe you have no idea who that guy is, but he's all over the news right now. Maybe you don't even know what Spotify is. Uh, you know, there's so many things that uh, Spotify is a uh, music download uh, software, one of several that you can get, and you can put podcasts on there. And uh, he's got a controversial podcast uh, that is uh, the number one podcast, though, in the country. So that's an interesting thing. 888-528-2557. I, like I said, I've got my coffee, and I'm ready for uh, this afternoon with my coffee. I hope that you've got yours if coffee is your thing or whatever helps you get through the afternoon. You might be on uh, in the office still. If you are, make sure you've looked out the window today. Fantastic day. Uh, temperature's up a little bit. Really nice day outside. If you're driving, well, at least you get to be out in Southern California driving where you know, we are freezing to death when it's 65 degrees. And just don't, just don't broadcast that to all of your friends on social media across the country uh, who are living in the Arctic or something. Uh, I don't even have a context for what that is. 888-528-2557 is the number. All right, so lots happening in the news cycle. And I don't want us to miss what's happening in Europe because I'm telling you, and don't doubt me, we are soon going to be leaving the issues of COVID-19 behind. That's what I think. Unless there is some super deadly variant or other things, I think that foreign policy soon will overtake the news. And um, don't doubt me, at some point this year, I wouldn't be surprised if it is the primary political issue coming into the election this fall, what's happening around the world and how we're handling it and those kinds of things. I think it matters. And uh, we live in a world where uh, lots can change very, very fast. Today, President Biden was meeting with the new chancellor of Germany, Olaf Scholz is his name. And uh, they had an interesting discussion about what's happening with with Russia. I almost said the Soviet Union. I actually almost said what's happening with the Soviet Union as they mass uh, troops on the border of Ukraine. And in a way, I think that's right. Some people suggest that uh, Vladimir Putin, who is a young 69 years old, would like to restore at least the idea and the power as a superpower, the status of the former Soviet Union. And lots of people believe that they are getting ready to invade the country of Ukraine. The reason why is they have somewhere between 100 and 150,000 troops on the border. And I've heard different experts say things differently. And I'm not at all an expert. Don't want to say that I am. But 150 troops, you move that many troops onto the border of another country, you're doing something. This is not an exercise. And for Russia, it's expensive. It's super expensive for anybody. But Russia... Just to to look at it, Russia is a dying country. Did you know this? A lot of countries are dying primarily because of birth rates. Like literally enough people are not having babies to replace the dying population. And Russia is not a country where you get a lot of people immigrating into it. You do not have a a whole lot of, uh, of refugees from other countries who want to go to Russia. They're going into mostly European nations. Um, some of them to our country and around the world. And Russia has days off that they are given to workers to go home and make babies. Did you know this? Which sounds like a fantastic idea for our country because we're close to uh, not having enough babies also to replace our population. Spain is going to lose its, uh, its probably entire way of life somewhere in the 2030s simply because of birth rate. Uh, So a lot of countries are in trouble. 
Russia is trying to make a lot of money uh, and survive financially with a gas line that will give natural gas uh, to most of Europe, and Europe's buying it. The chief, the chief purchaser of it is the country of Germany, and this is what begins to make things complicated in Europe right now. The energy, the cost of energy, countries that are getting a little bit desperate. I read a book years ago, and uh, it's called America Alone by Mark Stein. Highly recommend it. It's, it's maybe 15 years old. And I, the reason I recommend this is I didn't read it till a couple of years ago, and I was astonished at how right it has been at what's going on in the world. And one of the things it talks about is demography and the birth rates around the world. And it suggests that Russia is in so much trouble that Russia will have to sell at some point probably the eastern part of Russia. And by sell it, I mean the land. They're going to sell it off. Just like they sold us Alaska for the same reason a long time ago. They might have to sell off the rest of uh, eastern Russia. And uh, who's going to buy it? Are we going to buy it? Probably should, but we're probably not going to do it. China will probably buy it, and they have enough people to put in there and um, do whatever they're going to do with it. So Russia's in a lot of trouble if you study them. So some people believe that by taking Ukraine, it also will help them economically. It opens up some ports and some shipping, some other things for Russia to do. And that's the idea. The idea is that either Putin is uh, trying to break up NATO and he's going to do some exercises. It was reported that he will be doing nuclear war uh, exercises. How do you do that? You know, how do you really have a nuclear exercise you know, I guess what you do is you say, okay, we've shot ours. Now they've shot theirs. Run for your life. I don't know. Um, but that's kind of in the news, and it's, it's a little bit disturbing. So here's what I wanted to get at. Last Thursday, the United States government dropped a bomb kind of Thursday night. This comes out. CNN reported it. And what they reported is that we believe that the Russians – are going to create a propaganda video, a false flag video, giving them an excuse to go in to Ukraine. So the idea is that they need a reason. They need a reason of provocation to justify any invasion or incursion, whichever word you want to use, into Ukraine. Like it would, it would feel a lot better in the, in the world public opinion, right, if Ukraine actually attacked them first. That's the idea. All right, so our government is saying that Russia has prepared, that we have evidence that we have now declassified, all right, that Russia is preparing to make a video where it will be a fake attack by Ukraine onto Russian troops, giving them the reason to go in and do whatever it is they want to do. Are you with me? Uh, this, this happens sometimes in, you know, minor politics where you, you know, you, you spray some kind of offensive slogan on your own head, political headquarters and then you blame your opponent. Okay? It's a false flag thing. And then you get all kinds of sympathy and then voters come out and they say, how dare you can do that? And then it turns out you did it and you just hope you don't get caught till later. This happens. This happens in U.S. politics. It also happens in geopolitical politics. And we're living in a weird, weird time. So the United States is claiming that Russia is about to do this. So the AP has a reporter. His name is Mike Lee. And he was interviewing the Pentagon spokesperson uh, whose name is Ned Price. And Ned Price is um, 39 years old. I was looking at him and I thought, this guy looks like he's in high school. How did he get that job? And uh, is that what happens when you get a little bit older? Do you get to a certain age where just everybody looks like they're in high school? I hope that I'm not doing that. But that was my least 39. And they have this argument about evidence. And I want to play that for you because I think it's important that we hear it. It affects 
it affects a lot of who we are as people. And a big problem for, I think, people in any discussion, left or right, but not just in politics, also in matters of our faith, for example, also in matters of whatever it is, sometimes we're just arguing in our family, or we have a difference of opinion at work. We seem to be a people who enjoys what's called truthiness. Do you know what truthiness is? Truthiness is the idea, it means this, the quality of seeming or being felt to be true, even if it's not necessarily true. That culturally we have moved into a society that believes something is true because it feels true in our gut. The term was coined actually by the comedian Stephen Colbert a few years ago, and he was discussing the evidence for the Iraq war. And if you remember that, we went into Iraq and we said that they have weapons of mass destruction. That was part of the rationale for um, starting the, the battle in Iraq to get rid of Saddam Hussein. Now, Saddam Hussein was a bad guy and uh, it was a bad regime. There were you know, reasons why that guy should be gone. However, you don't just always do that. And the United States needed a reason. And we believed, and I think we truthfully believed, I think President Bush, in my opinion, President Bush, Colin Powell, Lots of people, whatever evidence they had, I think that they believed it was conclusive that said he was making weapons of mass destruction and and we can't trust a guy like Hussein with weapons of mass destruction because he might use them. Um, Where hopefully countries like Russia or China or big countries like the United States that have weapons of mass destruction, we're not just going to use them willy-nilly. It's just something that we have that really is a deterrence. But the concern is that a guy like Saddam Hussein or a country like Iran that might have a religious reason for launching a nuclear weapon at somebody and not care if we shoot him back and wipe him out. There's great concerns. That's why there's concern over a new Iran deal, old Iran deals. The, the, the reason we're so concerned about Iran getting a nuclear weapon is that the concern is, is that they might actually use it uh, in some preemptive strike for even a religious reason. All right, you with me? Okay. So what I want to get is the evidence because even when we're arguing for our faith, sometimes we just say things or we say things even in our churches that seem true or feel true to us but really are contrary to Scripture. Uh, God will never give you something you can't handle. If you heard that before, you probably have. The Bible never says that. In fact, it's contrary to the Bible. Life you can't handle. You can't handle your own salvation. You can't handle a lot of things that come your way. That's why you need the Lord. That's one of the reasons, first and foremost, most importantly, you need Jesus for salvation. You can't do it on your own. And then secondly, you need the presence of God with you through the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete, to help you through this life because there's plenty that comes your way that you can't handle. And it's funny that we just don't realize that. All right, back to this story. All right, so here is the argument. It's a little lengthy, but I wanted to play it here. This is the argument... Um, between uh, Mike Lee and Ned Price. Uh, Go ahead and play that. And what they're doing is they're arguing about the evidence for this Ukrainian uh, false flag that apparently we have evidence that Russians are going to do that. Go ahead. Um, What evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information? It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well, where is it? Where is the declassified information? I just delivered it. 
No, you made a series of allegations and would statements. You, would you like us to print out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for that, yourself. That's not evidence, Ned. That's you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> what would you like, Matt? I, I would like to see some proof that you that 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 that, that you can show that that Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that 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 you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. A I long know that time. was my point. As, you you as have you, know. you you have been doing this for quite a while. You know I that have. when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so in, in a means in we do and so I, and, we do so with an eye to that, protecting that sources and methods. Is not going to fall. I remember a lot of things. So where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying, Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we have declassified format. It's the content. I'm sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry it's you. I'm sorry like you are doubting just... the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I... I, what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you. Uh, in order uh, for a couple reasons. One is to attempt to deter the Russians from going ahead with this activity. Two, in the event we're not able to do that, in the event the Russians do go ahead with this, to make it clear as day, to lay bare the fact that this has always been an attempt on the part of the Russian Federation to fabricate a pretext. Yeah, but you don't have any, any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying... We think we, we, we have information the Russians may do this, but you won't tell us what the information well, is. That, and then when, when, that, when you're that, asked, that, that is the idea behind when, deterrence, Matt. When, that is the idea behind asked, deterrence. And when it is asked, our hope that the Russians don't go forward with this. when information is, you say, I just gave it to you. But that, that's not what... You, you seem not to not understand, you seem not to no, understand no, no, the man, idea of deterrence. Understand. We are you trying to not deter the, the Russians of... from moving forward with this type of activity. That is why we're making it public today. If the Russians don't go forward with this, that is not uh, ipso facto an indication that they never had plans to do so. Uh, but then it's unprovable. <laughs> My God. So this is a conversation that goes on uh, for a little while. It's much longer than that. But you see what I'm getting at here? And this is something that if I could do anything to really help our national discourse, but more than that, even just our discourse together, you and me as friends here, but as the church in Southern California, as the church, wherever it is that you're looking at it, how good are we at weighing evidence in our conversations with people and being persuasive? Because there's a problem here, isn't there? This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. Give me a call and weigh in on this subject, on Russia, on what's going on in the world this way, but in particular on evidence and truthiness. Where are some ways that we need to do better as far as evidence is concerned and how we have conversation? I think this is a huge deal. I think uh, hopefully our government is telling the truth. I think that we have lost credibility in the world because of what happened in Iraq. More recently, what happened in Afghanistan, we lost a lot of credibility with that. You know, we have lost some credibility with uh, drone strikes. So we attacked Syria over the weekend. And there was some question about that or a a few days ago, President Biden uh, attacked Syria and we killed a bad guy who was a bad guy. Apparently he blew himself up before we got there. It It was an incursion in there. But it raises a lot of questions these kinds of military operations. Is the United States as trustworthy as it once was? One of the things that I think is true, and you can 
give me your opinion if you want, 888-528-2557. I think we have to question ourselves a lot more than maybe we used to. I think it used to be that if our government said, we've got evidence that the Russians are planning this false flag invasion into uh, into Ukraine, where the Russians are going to create a false attack from Ukraine on our troops so that it justifies that we would just believe that, that there probably would not be a reporter, an AP reporter, saying to a government official, can you show me the proof? And then getting into an argument about what this is. See, what I noticed there in that clip is the Pentagon spokesperson doesn't seem to understand what's being asked. That he's saying, I'm the one giving you the declassified information. And AP reporter says, nope, I'm just, you're just telling me about it. I want to see the paperwork. You said it's declassified. So that means something's available. There is some kind of spy we have on the ground, some kind of intercept that we've received. And if they've declassified it, that means we can look at it. That means they need to put it out there. What's the deal with that? And when it comes to how we have conversation with the people in our life, and this, this matters a lot. When we talk about issues in the news and, and politics, I hope that on our program we can go a little bit behind just opinions. I've got opinions and you've got opinions and that's fine. And there's a lot of talk radio out there that is uh, sharing one side or the other on opinions. But one of the things that concerns me is as people who are to be salt and light in the world, how do we interact better with evidence? How do we have these conversations about Scripture or about life or about all the different things that are going on? Coronavirus, there's lots of different stories about that uh, going around. And what's the evidence? Do masks work or not? What's the evidence? Should kids wear masks or not? What's the evidence? Pro or con? What is it today? People say, oh, well, we're following the science. Well, what science? Show me the science. See what I'm saying? We'll talk about this a little bit more when we get back. 888-528-2557. Give me a call right now. 888-528-2557. This is your Monday edition of Southern California Live. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. To the Americans who are currently in Ukraine, should they leave the country? I think it'd be wise to leave the country. Uh, not, I don't mean our, I don't mean, I'm not talking about our diplomatic corps. I'm talking about Americans who are there. I hate to see them get caught in a crossfire if, in fact, they did admit. And there's no need for that. And I, if I were they, if I had anyone there, I'd say leave. That was President Biden today in a press conference with German chancellor, the new German chancellor, answering a question about should Americans leave Ukraine? And of course, he says, yes, not our diplomatic corps yet, although I think he already pulled some of those, those guys. And this is a serious situation. We're not talking about Americans leaving a country that has um, been producing terrorists or that we're exper- experiencing a terrorist attack or expecting one. This is Russia about to invade a European country of Ukraine is what uh, the president thinks. There are some experts who think none of this is going to happen, that that Putin has some other more psychological agenda. But I, a persuasive argument to me is that he spent a lot of money to put all those troops down there. He must be doing something more than uh, just playing games, I would think. And President Biden believes so as well. 
we started talking about the need to rightly handle conversations because these, in truth, because these issues matter a lot. And how do we assault and light as people in our country in a time when we simply seem to pick a side based on what our gut thinks and not based upon evidence? And we will fight for that opinion even without seeking the evidence. You can give me a call at 888-528-2557 and join the conversation. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Richard and Menifee, thanks for holding through the break. Welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Richard? I'm great, man. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, no, just as far as the, the discourse in this country over the last few years, especially about politics. It's just, uh, I heard a quote one time that said that uh, pride, pride is the universal sin. It's the great vice. Hmm. And it's pride that causes us to uh, look sideways to man and argue who is right, rather than to look up to God and find out what is right. And so to have a good conversation and to actually ultimately get to the truth we have to put away pride. How do you think we do that, Richard? I, do you, I and I agree with you. We have so much pride. I think part of our pride is that we don't we don't want to be wrong. Well, yeah, but, we don't, but if, if we're willing to sacrifice truth just to win the argument, then we're never going to find out what's what the truth is. And that's mean, right. We've already to, lost the argument. The beginning. Of, you, have, you have to decide at the beginning of the argument that. Uh, I don't have to be right. Yeah, I, I just want to know what's true. Do you agree with me that and, we have a? Uh, if, 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 oh, go ahead. Do you agree with me that that is part of the the problem? Is that we our pride keeps us in a place where we just don't want to admit that we might be wrong? Yeah, definitely. It's it's you know you like you said we want to be right. <laughs> when we get into a debate with somebody, we want to we want to feel that what we what we heard from our guy or from our source is correct. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and unless we were, and in most cases when you're arguing about something, politics, government, whatever, um, or, or any situation, you, we weren't there. So. Right. We're not in the room. Unless you've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Unless you've seen it firsthand and understand all the, all the ins and outs and, and things that go along with it. then uh, you know, you just pretty much have an opinion. And, and an idea of what's right and what's wrong. And I mean, as, as Christians, we should be guided by the scriptures, you know, by the, by the laws of, of, uh, of God. Yeah. And that helps us, you know, incorporate that into our, into our thought process. And that should lead us in with some prayer, lead us, a lot of prayer, lead us to uh, a good understanding of, of what is right. All right, Richard, thank you very much for calling in today. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for uh, listening to our program. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Richard was talking about we have to get past our pride, and I think he's right about that. I think it's, it's an enormous problem. It's why truthiness is how we decide things today. If it feels right, then we're going to go with it. And then we're going to keep going with it, whether or not there's evidence to support our side. Proverbs 11.2 is one of my favorites. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But the second part of it is really interesting. But with humility comes, and it doesn't say, 
um, with humility comes praise. It doesn't say with humility uh, comes being right. It says with humility comes wisdom. And it is so crucial that the church, we need this for everybody, but for us as believers, if you're listening and you're a believer, when you can get rid of your pride, which is ultimately leading to disgrace, because ultimately you believe something, you believe something, and if it's not true, but your pride is preventing you from believing that that's true, eventually it's going to hit you. I like to say that reality is persistent. Reality, you cannot avoid it. It is eventually going to smack you in the face. That is what is going to happen eventually. And pride is what keeps us from uh, seeing the reality uh, before it smacks us in the face. But with humility comes wisdom. And you know, Richard pointed out something I think that's very, very real. We're not in the room for a lot of this. So there, there is an element to all of these things, regardless of the subject, that we don't know about. We're not in the room. We're not in that person's head. Now, I think eventually more evidence for things comes out. It takes a long time. And eventually we have a pretty good idea or enough information to make, you know, to discern what happened, even though we weren't in the room. But sometimes we don't have that evidence. I've been thinking about the uh, today a big controversy kind of over social media, different places in the news is uh, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor in Georgia. uh, She posed for a picture on the floor with a bunch of kids and she's not She's not wearing a mask, but all the kids are wearing a mask. And, uh, you know, she's getting pretty harshly criticized. Then she fought back and made it a racial thing, and it kind of went back and forth in the ugliness. And I thought, is it really the plan to have her there without a mask, or was it just an oversight? Was it even a planned picture? Was she just sitting there and somebody said, hey, everybody, look here, take a picture? Did anybody think about that? And I think about that because I used to work on campaigns, and I can promise you there's a lot of things that are actually planned although sometimes they're not thought through. Um, and f- one of the things that happens is you see a politician giving a speech or something, and behind them are a bunch of people, right, staring into the camera. Those people usually are handpicked, okay, and they're handpicked to be, you know, different demographics, and they're sending a message, right? It's like, oh, look, there's a whole bunch of different people from different gr- demographics behind whoever this candidate is, and sending a message that that's who supports this person. And you're supposed to look and go, oh, well, if that person supports them, they're like me, and maybe uh, I should support them. And it doesn't matter what the audience is. The audience could be everybody in the same demographic, but you don't see that. And it's kind of the underside of politics. Um, In fact, I actually was on the front page of the LA Times when I was in college, just my hand. And the reason why I was in a political campaign and me and some buddies got picked to be on stage um, and uh, behind this politician who was running for governor who lost – and uh, when she started to speak, we all held up uh, her opponent's sign. It was Pete Wilson at the time. And there's this great picture in the L.A. Times of us holding up these signs behind her. And somehow we got past the screener. We got to be up there. What I'm telling you is there's a phoniness to everything. And that's part of the discernment process that I think needs to go on. And we have to get past our pride. We're being fooled by a lot of things visually on purpose. You can join our conversation here, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Kevin and Acton. Kevin, welcome to Southern California Live. That's the beautiful city of Acton, by the way. Oh, the beautiful city uh, of Acton. I'm familiar with it. I, I'm from the beautiful city of Palmdale. So oh, I, gotcha. In fact, you're my neighbor up there. I am, and I, uh, I've, I've driven through the beautiful city of Acton many times. Usually when people ask me, what city are you from? And they're from here in Southern California, like, uh, like your screener. I said the city of Acton. He goes, where? 
<laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I've been there. Um, okay. So this one you got to take with a real grain of salt, but just kind of let it stew a little bit. I think believers should stay out of the political arena. And I, so I think uh, God, uh, Jesus speaking about we're the salt and the light of the earth was certainly not speaking about having political influence. And I, see, I think we see that evidenced in the Bible as Paul went before, you know, Agrippa, Festus, all this. Jesus went before the rulers. They weren't talking about governmental affairs in the midst of one of the most horrible governments, evil governments ever to, you know, uh, be on the planet. And yet they said, Paul said in Romans, uh, obey those in authority over you, talking about the Roman government, and there's no authority except that, that which God has established, and they hold the sword for a reason, and they're doing God's work. And so I think what happens, what I see, is Christianity today in the, has become almost another political party which drives people from wanting to know about Jesus all under the, in a sense, maybe we've substituted the Bible for the Constitution, where we look at constitutional rights to bear arms, to free speech, to all that kind of stuff. And those are certainly not biblical rights. Uh, the, the only free speech I think that the Bible would defend, Paul did, Peter did, went to jail for this stuff, was simply proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, not so much proclaiming a different political view. Yeah. So, and I, I understand where you're coming from, Kevin. There's a lot we, we can talk about with this. I think it's a, it's also something that has been brewing in church, especially in the last year in American churches. What is our role in politics um, when it comes to, on the one hand, being in a free country where uh, you could make the argument that God has established the leadership and we the people are the leadership and therefore we ought to vote and therefore we ought to be involved somehow. But where is the, where is the place that we've crossed the line, as you're saying, and we're no longer talking about Jesus. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to have to take a break in just a minute. Oh, he hung up. He's gone. All right. Tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this back up when we come back from the break. I think Kevin made some, uh, a lot of good points. It's a, a whole hour's worth of discussion right there that maybe we should have sometime uh, a lot. And he pointed out um, many things about what the Bible says about our conversation. Here's what I want to think about, and you can give me a call during the break right now if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. What should the conversation be like for Christians when it comes to politics? And what I mean by that is you're probably going to have some conversation with somebody in your life who needs to know Jesus, and they're going to ask you a political question. Or you're going to just be having a conversation with somebody at the workplace or maybe somebody at church, or somebody in your class at school, and politics is going to come up. Russia's going to come up, and uh, the Olympics are going to come up, and the political stuff with that. Elections are coming up this year. How do you maintain a Christian conversation and speak intelligently about these things? 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to the Monday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow with you today. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557. We 
start out by talking about what's going on in Ukraine and really dealing with the conflict of how do we know what's true and how do we understand what kinds of things our government are saying that are accurate, how do we deal with evidence, and how does that translate into, for Christians, our conversation in the public square, and in particular, our conversations with other people, other people who we are meant to disciple, where we are meant to be salt and light in the community. How do we get through the pride and the truthiness that so much of our culture, including us, very often, where we think something's true, but we don't really have the evidence, we're not in the room, we're not really there to see it, but we fight and fight and fight for our perspective on something. It's not always founded, grounded in uh, evidence. 888-528-2557. Before the break, our caller from the fine city of Acton said that uh, Christians should be out of politics. Uh, and he talked about how in the scriptures we don't see a lot of uh, politicking for sure. We do see um, Paul and Jesus and others interacting um, with politicians. I think one of the greatest interaction ever is Jesus with Pontius Pilate. But it's not about the politics of the Roman government, ultimately, although there's a, there's a lot of politics in there if you really examine certain things. Uh, Glenn from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Glenn? Fine, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. What are your thoughts, Glenn? My thoughts are is that Christians need to be involved with politics because, very simply, our duty as Christians is to make certain that those people who have sway over us, those people who have power over us, those people that make decisions over us, have to be godly persons. We're finding out exactly now the benefits of not having God in our schools, being taught to our children that these kids don't know anything about the hereafter, and... As a consequence, they think that it's a game or it's just a temporal stay that we're here. And we've got the politicians that go to that demographic and seek their votes for them to be supporting. And you've got godless people in there. Let's understand that politics is about people and means. It's not about ideas. It's not about values. Values and ideas deal with philosophy and religion. Politics is about people and means and getting rid of those people that are godless and putting godly people who have the fear of God in their hearts and in their decisions. They will be the people that run our country correctly. They, we've had it up to a certain point, up until 63, we got rid of the Bible, and as a consequence, we are seeing the fruits of that tree, which is basically chaos, and that's being run by us right now. It's who is the father of lawlessness and chaos? That's Satan. And we can actually say that this is a warfare of spiritual domain where the good versus the evil is where we're, that's upon us right now. So if we're, ele- if we're Christians and our duties are taken seriously, we have to go out and vote. We've got to register to vote, and we've got to vote for those people that adhere to the principles of the Bible. Glenn, I appreciate your call, and I'm 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 with you on the idea that especially over the past uh, you know fifty sixty years, a lot of our problems have developed from the fact that we have left God. Right, we left God out of the schools, and we've left God uh, out of the uh, conversation. We've changed a lot. Um, I would take some issue with the idea that our duty as Christians is to be involved in politics, but I think maybe what you're saying, in a way, I think that if our duty as Christians 
And what I'm saying is to, to just try to elect certain people. The Bible never says that what we need to do is get enough people who believe the way we believe elected to office. Jesus, Paul, Peter, they never say, all we got to do, folks, is get people elected to the Roman Senate and we can change the Roman Empire forever. In fact, historically speaking, once the Roman Empire eventually became Christian through Constantine, the church began to actually lose its truth, and we entered into spiritual dark ages for a long time until the, the Reformation, with lots of exceptions, but there was a lot of problem, and it's because we seem to attain power. And in history, just historically speaking, when Christians are fighting for power, it doesn't go well for Christianity, ultimately. Now, That being said, if we're in a place where we're making disciples, one of the reasons that Rome eventually became Christian is because after a couple hundred years of the church being persecuted and sticking with the faith and people loving each other, people making disciples, people doing what Christians ought to do, it became very persuasive that this is true. And so what I would say to you that I think this is really important is that we need to be a people— where we're persuading the people that God has placed in our life of what is true about Jesus, and then the politics and other issues will will follow. Uh, Let me get to James in Signal Hill. James, welcome to Southern California Live. You with me, James? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, James. Hi. How you doing? Good. Yes, um, I concur with the guy that was uh, just speaking. And, yes, you have to have a godly government. At the same time, you got to, you know, fight and stick up for righteousness. And, and our government is not a godly government. And it's uh, actually the government is, is for abortions. I'm, I'm against abortions. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how a child is conceived. You don't punish the child in the womb because of something happened, but our government is all for abortions, and I'm against it. And um, we all need to just, you know, stick up for righteousness. Our country, our, we voted for a constitution that we have, and uh, the government that we have now is totally against it. And that's, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say, but I, I agree with the, the last caller. All right, James, thank you for oh. calling and, and sharing your thoughts. 888-528-2557 is the phone number. Um. You know, I, I'm trying to make this point here, that if we really want to make a difference, I think going back to what we're actually called to do and make disciples actually makes the difference in the culture. We have to be careful about just changing our government. Do we need a godly government? Of course we do. Every government on the planet should be godly. Every government leader, whether whatever system you've got, Um, should be godly. You know, the reason that communism fails, the reason that there's so much problem with that kind of perspective is not because it couldn't work. I mean, if if everybody was godly and people weren't greedy and people really did care for one another and people really, uh, you know, didn't try to prop up some elite somewhere, every government system could work. Uh, The reason communism doesn't work is because it's deliberately not godly. The state is the highest source of anything. And when that's the case, the state can give and the state can take away. And in every form of government out there, you end up with some kind of elite, some kind of group of people who are far above and beyond in wealth and power than the rest of the people. What tends to happen historically in communism and socialism is you get 
a small elite of people and everybody else is relatively poor. Um, that happens and it's happening more and more with our capitalistic society. There's a huge gap between uh, rich and poor. We still have a middle class, um, but it's getting worse. It's probably getting worse because we're, we are developing that same attitude about uh, the elite, a group of people who know better, a group of people who uh, once they are in power uh, seem to think that they are the you know, there, there's, a, there's a certain government class, right? This is why people in Congress on both sides, when they vote for something that's controversial, uh, they don't always have to participate in it. Uh, they make an exception for themselves, and they create this sort of government class. First Timothy 2, 1 through 15, Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, the petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live in peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. When Paul wrote that to Timothy, he's talking about Nero. He's talking about pray for Nero. Pray for the very, very ungodly Roman government, a Roman government that is now openly persecuting Christians, real persecution. And I want to make this point because I think as Americans— and I'm this way. As an American, I'm very concerned about the future of our country. I think everybody needs to be informed. Everybody needs to get out there and vote. But vote and be informed. Don't just vote because somebody on your side tells you. And that's important. As Christians, we need to do the same things. But here's the argument for this hour that I want to leave you with. We need to be the informed ones. And we need to not be the crowd who is saying things that are not correct. See, I think when Jesus spoke to Pilate, he was informed. He understood how the government worked. When Paul was dealing with the government, he understood his rights as a Roman citizen. And he said, you can't do this to me. You need to take me to the king or take me to Caesar. He understood his rights. He used his rights. And uh, he, that was completely fine. But his goal was the kingdom of God ultimately. And my friends, when we read our Bible, when you get to the book of Revelation, which a lot of you think we're in right now, uh, or we're getting close to, and we might be, there may not be a United States in that book at all. We either don't exist or we're the bad guy or we just are irrelevant uh, to the story. And at the end of Revelation, all governments and all government systems are wiped out because all of them fall short of the glory of God. If I can leave you with this, we need to be about the kingdom of God and loving the people that God places in our life and being salt and light. I don't think you need to be political all the time, but if you're informed about things, you'll speak the truth more often, which makes you persuasive about everything when you are a truthful person. When we just pick sides, we're always on our side, whether we're on the right or the left, Republican or Democrat or whatever, and we're just always on that side and we never ask questions. But how are we going to be persuasive about anything else? And that's the problem in the country, isn't it? All right, Southern California Live, we're done for this hour. We'll be right back on this special Monday edition of Southern California Live. Stay with me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.